it's, it's a scary situation. So to try to crack jokes, I mean, of course, this would be the time for us to be a light in this darkness mm -hmm. and provide the humor. But we in the dark, too, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my creative process doesn't work like I sit down and pick eight topics and write jokes. I'm not, <laughs> I haven't done that in years. You know, it's about how I live during the day and if something strikes me in the moment as I'm in, you know, the progress of what I do on a daily basis, I might jot it down or text it to myself. I'm like, ah, oh, that's funny. Or it might be a conversation I've had. A lot of my material comes from my observations and conversations and if people laugh at it then, I know I can use it, you know? So if, if that process is not there, now I have to, for it, I, I don't want to force myself to write, you know, today I need to do three new bits. Uh, you know, comedy shouldn't be something that you're doing out of necessity um, or an, in a forced situation. It should be more organic, at least in my process. You're listening to Creative Breakthrough, the podcast that provides you with the strategies to elevate your creative passion to the next level. I'm your host, creative hustler, and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassam, AKA the funny brown girl. And yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Hey, welcome to the Creative Breakthrough. I am your host, Shireen Kassam, AKA the funny brown girl. Hey, if this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for joining us today. If you're a repeat listener, I can't say how thankful I am that you guys come back week after week after week. Um, this podcast is beyond my dreams how well it's doing and how many people it's reaching and how many people reach out to me on a daily and weekly basis. It's just heartwarming and it's flattering. And I'm so glad that I've been able to provide this insight and knowledge um, for you guys who are in the creative space or want to be in the creative space to get to that next level. Uh, last week or two weeks ago, we dropped an episode with Jeff Friday, the founder of the American Black Film Festival, and it has skyrocketed. I mean, it is trending in Canada, the United Kingdom, and Australia. People have been reaching out about it. I mean, Jeff Friday has started the careers of many, many um, creatives and influencers in the minority community, and so he is very well-known and very well-respected. And for me, he's played a huge role in my comedy career, and just to know that he played such a big role in my life and then I was able to share his story through the podcast and it was able to impact other people's lives has just been incredible for me. So thank you guys so much for listening to that episode and sharing that episode and writing reviews on Apple. A lot of great reviews came through on it. So thank you so much. Um, this week we're talking with Damon Williams, who is also a stand-up comedian. And I met him at ABFF and we're going to really talk a lot more about like dealing with coronavirus and COVID-19 in terms of being a creative and how to be a creative and what does that even mean. So stick around. Before we get into that, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about creativity and corona. And I talked about this two weeks ago, and I just want to follow up on that because in the last two weeks, a lot of things have happened in my life. And so I'm very open with you guys about my life. And so I just want to keep you along on the journey. Um, there's a there is a meme on Instagram that people keep tagging me in or sharing with me and this is what it says. If you don't come out of this quarantine with a new skill, your side hustle started, more knowledge, you never lacked time, you lacked discipline. And I don't like this meme at all. And here's why. It's because it uses the word you. If you don't come out of this quarantine with a new skill, if you don't come out with a side hustle, if you don't come out with more knowledge, 
you lack time, you lack discipline. If you are going to make that statement, then it needs to be I focused. And here's why I say that, because everybody is on this journey very differently during this quarantine, during this lockdown. People are dealing with lost jobs. People are dealing with lost family members. People are dealing with not even being able to see their families. There's so much angst and stress around what is happening right now that I'm not going to, as a creative and as someone who's always hustling, I am not even going to put that stress on anyone that you need to come out of this with a new skill or a side hustle. If you need to lay in bed all day, then you lay in bed all day. If you need to just watch TV, then just watch TV, okay? Now, when people keep tagging me this, I felt like I felt like I needed to say that. And I also want to say it because I do have a Facebook community based on this podcast called Creative Breakthrough Community. And you can find it by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash creative breakthrough community or just go to Facebook and search creative breakthrough community or you can go to funnybrowngirl.com forward slash Facebook and that'll get you there too. And I have been posting a lot of stuff around like what's available right now for people to occupy their time with if they are a creative. So I've got resources on there about competitions that are coming up. There's a screenwriting competition coming up in May. There's the late night TV writers workshop um, application that's due. Um, I think it's due this week or next week. Um, there's a lot of free online courses right now. I mean, there it's unbelievable how many people are offering up their webinars and their classes and their courses that are usually $1,000 for free right now. Um, there's people who are offering classes like themselves, like we have this girl who wants to teach the guitar classes. And so I've been putting up a lot of resources on this Facebook group. And I've also been asking people like, what are you going to learn this week? And how are you going to spend your day? And what are you writing about today? And at no point in time do I want you to feel like I am putting that stress on you. That is most, that is for people who are sitting at home and not sure what to do with their time, who are fiddling their thumbs, who are bored silly. And at the end of this epidemic are going to look back at this time and think I wasted all that time when I could have actually been doing something uh, creative or something productive or something fruitful. But you decide, it's up to you to decide which bucket you're in. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm sort of leaning towards the bucket of I'm just trying to survive. I am literally still trying to survive. I am, I still have not wrapped my head around everything that's going on. Um, and I'll give you an example of something. So I, I recently uh, was furloughed from my job. And when I say recently today, <laughs> I got the phone call like an hour ago. Um, and I've been furloughed from my job and I've been at this job six years. And, and furloughed, for those of you who don't know, is, um, and don't feel bad if you don't know, because it's just a word that I recently heard about and found out about, is furloughed is a term that people are now using. It's not being laid off, so I have not been laid off. I'm still an employee of the company, but I will not be getting paid. I will have access to health care, so I will have access to my medical and dental benefits. And when all this clears up and my company's back on its feet, they can bring me back as a full-time employee. There is obviously that 50-50 chance, I think it's a little bit higher than 50-50, that I could get laid off because they may not be able to bring everyone back. And I think that's the biggest fear. It's, the fear is not that I've been furloughed. The fear is that, what does that mean long-term? Will I come back or will I not come back? Um, and so that's definitely a stress that I have right now when I say I'm trying to survive. And it's funny because my career doesn't define me. If somebody says to me, what do you do? And they're like, oh, that's so cool. Is that what you are? I'm like, no, my, my job, my career, that doesn't define me. But I do feel that over the last few years, I've been defined by a few things, right? Like 
I'm Shereen Kassam, the funny brown girl who works in corporate America, who's a stand-up comedian, who hosts a award-winning podcast, who is in a loving relationship, and who runs an online business as a side hustle. I'm that girl who's like, bam, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And now we're in April 2020, and I've lost three of those five things in the first four months of the year. And so I'm literally just trying to figure out who am I? Who is Shereen Kassam, the funny brown girl right now? Who, what is my purpose in life? What am I, what is God clearing the way for? And when I say that, I'm trying to really look at this from a positive spin. Like I can sit here and be like, oh my God, I'm unemployed and I have no job and I have no money coming in and I can't do comedy and like, what am I doing with my life? And like, why is this happening to me? Or I can say, okay, God is clearing out this space. God is saying, I don't need you to be wasting your time on these things. And if you're listening to me from work, I enjoy my work. I'm not wasting my time. But what he's saying is like, I'm going to give you this time right now, whether it's a month or two months or three months, and I'm going to give you this time to do something great. And what are you going to do with that time? What is something great that you're going to do? And I mean, that's a lot of pressure on me too right now. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what that is, but I am going to figure it out. And so I say to you guys, like, it's okay to just survive during this period. What I've really been trying to do is one, survive, two, get out of bed. And then three, there are so, like I said, there's so much free stuff on the internet right now. So many webinars and trainings that I've actually been trying to say, okay, I'm going to sign up for one webinar a day. And these webinars are usually an hour, hour and a half. And so it's like a good break in my day to say, okay, I'm just going to focus on this webinar today and learn something. So at least I feel like I'm still keeping my brain fresh and I'm still learning things. So like yesterday I did a webinar on Pinterest. Um, what is Pinterest and how to use it? Um, I won't lie. It was not the best webinar that I could have done on Pinterest, but it was free. So I did it. Um, then today I did a webinar um, on becoming a public speaker. Like, so do you want to do you want to be a speaker? And if you want to be a speaker, there's a book. It's called The Message of You by Judy Carter. And she has this book and she's running free courses right now. So just go to themessageofyou.com and you can sign up for free and do her course. And I think her course is usually $1,000 and she's offering it for free with her on the course. Like it's not even recorded. It's like a live interaction with her. So I did that. Um, she also is doing like a comedy workshop, like so you can sit with other people and write virtually and that's tomorrow. So I'm going to do that tomorrow. Um, then there's this guy named Pat Flynn, who is the smart passive income podcast host. And he has a bunch of free courses and he's got one on how to build your email list. And so if you're not already, you should subscribe to my email list at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And from there, I send you guys a lot of opportunities and resources um, which lately I have been posting more of that on the Facebook group um, because I know there's more people on Facebook right now than checking email. But yeah, how do I grow my email list? How do I get more of you guys to subscribe to my email list? Um, so I want to take that webinar. And so there, I'm trying to like at least stay in that creative space and kind of stay busy so that I don't fall into this depressed mode of like laying in bed, like grumbling about what has my life become because I know that it's not that bad. I know when I look at other people, when I, when I see other people, there's other people who are really struggling, who are really hurting right now. And I'm lucky enough that I wasn't even laid off. I was furloughed, which means like, it's, I'm still not like, I still have so much to be grateful for, if that makes sense. And I've actually started doing that too. I started taking a class on Coursera.org. It's called the well-being of happiness or the 
something about the well-being of and, and happiness. It's a Yale course. Um, it's actually one of their most popular courses right now. Surprise, surprise. I will throw it in the show notes and in the YouTube description. And I've been taking that course too, and that's totally free as well. And it's so it's so interesting. One of the things she says in there is that you should be grateful for three, you should say what you're grateful for every day. And it's funny, I used to do this exercise every night when I would go to bed, I would say, what is something I'm excited for tomorrow? And then what are three things that I'm grateful for? And since the start of 2020, I have stopped doing that. Um, and it just occurred to me, like in the last week, like I was like, why have I stopped doing that? And I've like literally started doing that again. And not only do I feel like I'm sleeping better, but I'm waking up in a more positive mood and I'm just having a better day all around. And so if that is not something that you've already incorporated into your day to day, I highly suggest starting to um, go to bed when you go to bed. A lot of people say do it when you go to bed. Some people do it when they wake up. Some people write it down. Some people just say it out loud. I don't think it really matters. Um, I just say it before I go to bed. And, and it's just like, what are three things that I'm grateful for? What are three things that happened today that I'm grateful for? And it can be as easy as saying, I'm grateful that I have electricity so that I can see. And then it can be more deep as I'm grateful that I've been furloughed, but at least I still have medical insurance because God knows I'm going to get hit by a car because I have been hit by a car four times. So like I'm, t I know the odds here, right? So um, definitely do that. But I want to just end this by saying like, if I'm four months in now, I mean four months, I am four weeks now into a self-isolation quarantine um, literally got back from Mexico City and put myself into self-isolation and I was work from home from work and I've I've gone out of the house I try to go out of the house every day for a quick walk just to get some fresh air but I haven't really been around people um, and I'm in week four and I won't lie I'm, I'm still struggling with this whole idea of what's happening in the world and I talked about this a little bit two weeks ago that we're all supposed to come out of this learning something and we're all supposed to come out of this I feel like as a more united people, a more united country. And I won't lie, I haven't seen it yet. Haven't seen it. And I say that because um, last weekend I went to pick up dinner. Um, I've been trying to support local businesses in the Orlando, Florida area. So like a lot of local businesses are struggling right now. And I decided I was going to go support one. Um, I had gone to the post office and on the way back from the post office, I saw this restaurant and it had a sign outside and it says, we're open. So I was like, let me go in and support him or her, whoever owns it. And I ordered, I paid, I was waiting for my food. And all of a sudden six police officers showed up and I was like, I was on my phone. I, I didn't, I had, I was just like, whatever. And then the officer wanted to talk to me and long story short, the owner of the store accused me of stealing. And then luckily, so luckily, like fingers crossed, luckily, like karma, luckily, these cops were like amazing. And they talked to me outside. I told them what happened. I showed them the receipt. And they were just like, this must be a misunderstanding. They went back inside. They came back out. They were like, we're not sure what happened, but we know you didn't steal. And then he 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 uh, pressed trespassing charges against me, which doesn't really mean anything because he did it after the fact, which means I'm not charged, but I'm not allowed to ever go on that property again. So like, even if that property changes hands or becomes a different restaurant or like becomes the best wine bar in the city, I can't go back there because he has now pressed, put a trespassing warning against me. And that really upset me because here we are in a time where everybody's struggling. Everybody is just trying to make it through their day. And you, as it is, you don't know in life who's dealing with what, right? Now you've overlaid COVID-19 on top of that and unemployment and sick family members and not being able to see your family and businesses going under. 
And I was just trying to be supportive. And I was just trying to go into this restaurant and be supportive. And for whatever reason, you felt like you needed to call the police on me. And that could have turned so ugly for me. Like that, I, what, what really upsets me is that when he made that decision to call the police, he probably didn't even think of all the ramifications that could have happened if I had just gotten one police officer that may have had an issue with the fact that my name is an Arab name or that I am a Muslim woman. So when I say like, we just need to learn from this experience, we need to learn how to come together as a community, as people, as human beings, and just, and take for, and stop taking things for granted. Like he didn't have, he, he could have just been appreciative of the fact that I was coming into his restaurant, which was completely empty. There was nobody in there and spending money so that he could maybe pay a little bit of his debt off his rent off. And he chose to have hate in his heart. And in a time like this, I feel like the people who hate in their heart are the ones who are not going to come out of this with, with, with what God intended us to learn from this situation. And if you don't believe in God, then I still feel even if you take God out of the situation, we are all going to come out of this with a different perspective on life or a different perspective on ourselves or the people around us. And you have to let go of that hate and you've got to let go of whatever's holding you down during this time and just think to yourself, how can I be of use to society right now? How can I help somebody? How can I be there for somebody? Call that person that you haven't talked to in years. And if you don't want to call them, text them. I've actually been trying to do this every day. I scroll through my phone. Um, I literally have been doing this. And people think it's so weird because I get these random messages back. But I'll like scroll through my phone and then get to somebody. And um, I'll just text them like, hey, Shireen, just checking in. How are you doing? And I'll just send it and I'm connecting with all these people that I've lost touch with. But this is like such a great time to do that. And so I leave you with this, um, just survive. I just want you to survive. If you don't feel like being a creative right now, it's okay. Um, if you don't feel like getting out of bed, it's okay. But if you do feel like that you are falling, falling into a depressive state, if you're falling into depression, then I highly, highly suggest that you talk to somebody. And there's a lot of free resources out there to do that. Um, and I'll, I'll look for some of those and post them in the show notes. Um, and some of them maybe are not free, but they are pretty, um, well-priced. Um, and so make sure you talk to somebody, don't let it get too bad because once you start spiraling down that black hole into that rabbit hole, it's going to be really hard to get out. And I can tell you that from firsthand experience. So I, I highly suggest talk to somebody, reach out, reach out to a friend, uh, reach out to me. If you want to talk to me, send me an email, slide into my DM, tweet me, we can talk. Um, I've got Skype, WhatsApp, I've got all that stuff. Um, again, I'm going to make a, a selfish plea. If you are employed and you are making money and you're missing spending that money on Starbucks coffee or lunch, um, if you want or if, you've, if you're getting, if you get something out of this podcast and you enjoy it, please donate to my podcasting equipment. Um, I'm still trying to raise money to buy podcasting equipment so that I can continue this podcast. You can do that at Ko-Fi dot com forward slash funny brown girl that's ko ko hyphen fi fi dot com forward slash funny brown girl three dollars is the minimum um if you donate twenty dollars i'll get on a call with you for 30 minutes and we can talk about your creative goals and your journey and however i can help you so with that said this week's guest is damon williams as i mentioned i met damon at as i mentioned at 
American Black Film Festival. He was amazing. He closed out the HBO comedy show competition that I was a part of. And then I had the opportunity to host for him at the Orlando Improv last year when he came through for a weekend. And he's such an awesome guy. And I've been trying to schedule this podcast for weeks. And so I'm so happy that he finally had time. Damon, with 25 years in the industry, Damon Williams is a former Subway sandwich shop owner from Chicago, Illinois, who began his comedy career at All Jokes Aside Comedy Club. Damon's previous television appearances include BET's Comic View dating back to 1994, including his one-hour special. He's been featured on BET Live, Comedy Central's Premium Blend, the Tom Joyner Sky Show on TV One, and HBO's P. Diddy's Bad Boys of Comedy. The funny man from Chicago even hosted several episodes of the legendary Showtime at the Apollo, following seasoned host and TV star Steve Harvey. In 1999, Damon performed for over 300,000 fans as the opening act of the highly successful Kings of Comedy Tour, establishing him as one of the elite comics in the nation. His popularity has provided him the opportunity to work with some of the biggest stars in the business, such as Aretha Franklin, Patti LaBelle, Luther Vandross, Ray Charles, Harry Belafonte, Chris Rock, James Brown, Jamie Foxx, Little Richard, and even President Barack Obama, where he served as a host for a campaign brunch. Damon is keeping Chicago on the map as co-owner of Riddle's Comedy Club, where he's providing a stage for new and veteran comedic talent. Damon previously held the funny chair seat as the co-host on the legendary nationally syndicated Tom Joyner Morning Show and is seen consistently on Chicago's number one day talk show, Windy City Live. So, what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome to the guest chair, Damon. Thank you. I can't believe uh, I finally got you. All it took was a quarantine and a lockdown for me to get you on my podcast. <laughs> hey, I have nowhere else to be but right here with you. <laughs> I know. That's the, that's the best part about this lockdown. Yeah, especially we're in Illinois, so we've already had a stay in place order uh, almost a week now. And so prior to that, we had already planned to stay in place, but we just went out and got groceries. I went and got groceries, took my mother, got her stocked up for her little quarantine and me and my wife just at the house. Wow. Are people in Illinois fighting over toilet paper as well? We definitely ran out of toilet paper first. I never thought that in the event <laughs> of... A global pandemic is the first thing to go would be toilet paper. I would think guns and ammo, food, uh, liquor. Then I'm like, oh, shit, toilet paper. That would have been my list. You know, protection, food, toilet paper. I know people are crazy. I just, people are, people are wild today. They opened the grocery stores up an hour early for senior citizens to go like older right. people above, I think 65 or 70. And I heard it was a hot mess. Like people were lined up out the door before the store even opened. There was no social distancing, all the carts, people just lined up all their carts and took everything yeah, just stuff and, they didn't even need. And, and old people up early already. So they should have said old people after midnight and saw how many showed up. <laughs> <laughs> then there would have been order. <laughs> well, it's funny. My parents are over 70. And when I told them they could go today, this morning, my mom was like, who wakes up at 7 a.m.? And I was like, 99% of old people. <laughs> she asked about you. Come come say hello, baby. <laughs> oh, never mind. I was telling wifey. She just popped in. But yeah, I mean, it's this is a, a crazy, crazy time. And, and it's crazy to think about you see all the movies and the people are watching movies about this. Why would you want to sit and watch that movie? I don't want to see quarantine and 12 monkeys and contagion. 
or none of that mess. I'm living it how with my hey. with my 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 Corona Bay. Hey, how are you? How's it going? She said, "How's it going?" Good. Did she have some chicken wings today? Uh, she said, "Did you have chicken wings today?" <laughs> I I'm, I can make some if you're going to have some virtual chicken wings with me. Well, you know, she's pescatarian. It'd be just you oh, and me. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> she's missing out on life with her workouts. Yeah, exactly. Killing fish. <laughs> fish ain't never hurt nobody. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning, Damon. When and how did okay. your creative journey start? Uh. In back in 1992, November, uh, Def Jam had just come on the scene. I had just recently sold uh, my franchise. I used to own a Subway sandwich shop, and I had time on my hands. And I'd heard about you know open mic, and Adele Givens was hosting All Jokes Aside in Chicago. And I went and signed up, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow! So when you were owning, when you owned the Subway shop, like did. Did you know you had this creative side to you and you just decided to sell it and start comedy or was it more was it sim more simple than that? No, the creativity of selling it came from the lack of funds being generated. So <laughs> it created debt is what that happened. That's the only creativity <laughs> Subway had for me. Uh, but, you know, I had a job before Subway. I worked at City Hall for like five years in Chicago and I used to, you know, crack a little jokes or just be funny. And people started calling me Eddie because that was right after the 48 hours, you know, Eddie Murphy, Saturday Night Live era. So anybody mm -hmm. funny and, and black, they used to like, compare you to Eddie Murphy. So they used to call me Eddie around the job. And I really wasn't trying to be funny, funny. I just was being myself. And I found out that people, as my wife likes to say, uh, laughed at my seriousness. <laughs> <laughs> so like you, you uh, how old were you when you sold your Subway store? Uh, got it at 25, sold it at 27. 27. And so then yep. you decided to do comedy. So how, in your mind, how were you going to make funds doing comedy? Uh, I wasn't, I was going to sell some weed, um, <laughs> <laughs> and other items, but, um, I didn't get in it for money. Actually, I got in it because it felt amazing. Um, after I did it the first time, but then I did see opportunities to make money after I had Felt I was exploited by a comedy club one time. The the owner, uh, there was a feature act. And I used to always go to the shows at the club, whether I was on the show or not. When I first, very first started, because I was so excited about being involved, and just I loved to see all the headliners. Because all jokes aside, was the place to see everybody. You know that came to town: Chappelle, Steve Harvey, um, you know George Wallace, D.L. Hughley. I met all of them at this club, and so Carlos Mencia was was killing it back then. Um, so I would just go and watch, you know, a student of the situation. So one weekend, uh, whoever was featuring had a car accident and they said I could fill in that night. And they said, if I did well, I could, you know, finish out the week. And I never talked about money. I never asked how much I was getting paid. I was so excited. I was like, man, I finally got a little feature bit at the club. And then at the end of the week, uh, the guy handed me a check for like 125 and I had done five shows. Not only that, I had bought tickets for people to see me on each show. You know, I probably spent $125 each show. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, you know, I did you a favor, you know, I gave you exposure and blah, blah, blah. So from that, I learned a, to figure out how to negotiate first. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, I said, if that's what the pay is here, I'm gonna have to go somewhere else because I was an entrepreneur and I wasn't going to work for him at those wages. So I started hosting and promoting my own shows. And that's really when the business side took off and I learned creativity along the way. So you were able to use your entrepreneurship skills. Yes. Well. And that's, say, go, go ahead. ahead. Mm -mm. Oh, no, I would say, would you say that being an entrepreneur before you became a comedian has helped you grow faster or 
farther in your career than others because you had that skill set? I think it allowed me to generate more income uh, because that's that was my first mindset. Um, I just saw this opportunity and I, I, I continue to see opportunity. And by creating my own opportunities, that gave me exposure to other people. Because if you start booking headliners, then first of all, you get to know headliners because they know this dude in Chicago is writing checks. And then secondly, people coming to see that headliner will eventually see you. So you develop your fan base. And then um, the, the major club, all just aside, closed. And really, there were no other clubs around for, for black comedy. So I just started doing these nights. And I'd have a night here, a night there, and then I'd do a night at the mainstream room, a place called TNT Comedy Hook. So I learned that skill. And then by me being the host of all of those nights, I had to keep coming up with material because mm -hmm. people were becoming regulars. What I didn't have was clothes. <laughs> so I didn't have clothing for all those shows. So it was a running joke. Uh, these girls told me years later, they said, we used to sing this song about you. Every little city we go, we see the same clothes. So I was mixing <laughs> and matching. And I eventually got a clothing sponsor because the lady felt bad for me because it was like, you know, you, you here, you there, you there. But that shirt is at three different shows. So yeah. get you some shirts and, and some jokes if you want to get it to being <laughs> the guy about the circuit. Would you say um, hosting, like putting together shows is a better way to go than hosting open mics? Like, would you suggest somebody start an open mic or start putting together shows? Oh, some of these were open mics. Uh, okay. and, you know, some of them were uh, very low admission prices because I wasn't doing it for the money, like I said. Um, mm -hmm. And if you, if you host an open mic, if you host anything, if you open a room, start a room, if you're hosting, naturally, if you have any integrity about yourself, you're not going to go up and do the same set every week. Eventually, people are going to get tired of that or you should get tired of it as well. So you start to create monologues. So I would grab back then the newspaper instead of you know looking online. But I say grab current events and topics and, and challenge yourself to have something new each week. You could do your standard bits, you know, as needed. But the beauty of it is a lot of times when people come to comedy shows. When you host in a room, they don't even look at the host as a comedian. They look at you as a host. So you'll have somebody come up to you after the show and say, wow, you are funny as the comedians. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or even more funny, they would say stuff like, so when are you going to do your show? And I'm like, you've been laughing at me every time I touch that mic this evening. If, I, if you took the other people out, that's my show. You know, right. so, yeah. And, and now were you doing this all full time once you sold your subway? Were you hustling and grinding on the comedy circuit? Yes, 100 uh, percent. I eventually got tab to do local radio. So that helped me subsidize that. That's the only real job I had during this course of time. And and even then that didn't last long, but I had different stints on radio and radio was also a catalyst to help me promote the nights. So those two things coincided. Uh, but mostly it was about, you know, getting your own flyers and going out, passing out flyers. And I have people come up to me now like, ma'am, I'm really proud of you because I remember, you know, you standing outside whatever club and handing out your flyers. And you said one day you're going to make it and look at you now. You know, I'm like, yeah, you're <laughs> telling me this while I'm handing you a flyer. So look at me now. <laughs> Where's the progress in this story? <laughs> you also later became a co-host on the Tom Joyner Morning Show. What, what skill set do you feel like helped you get on the radio and be successful on the radio? the hosting and the spontaneity of uh, having to continuously come up with material and, and then, you know, basically incorporating current events into my set. So I was basically doing what I do when I host on the radio. So if, if, if the today's story was whatever, then I'm a comment on that story. Uh, and actually Tom and, and his company gave me the opportunity to do 
um, seriously ignorant news, which was obscure stories about stupid criminals. So I was kind of in that lane, but yeah. it taught me how to write and flip um, a news story into a bit and to do it concisely so that you could fit in a two or three minute window. Mm-hmm. Plus, with interaction with other people, so you have to have you know allow time for that. But that was a very useful situation for my career on many levels because uh, Tom had so many listeners, so the club owners started booking me. It you know that's how I ran into you at the Orlando Improv is because right. you know they knew that the Tom joined the listeners listened to that show. Mm-hmm. So now, I had been doors. yeah, it, it it reopened some doors as well because mm-hmm. you know I had been doing comedy. I just uh, Comic View twelve seasons. I did all of all the black comedy shows and a couple of white ones too. Um, so those people were around. But then after doing that initial TV uh, circuit, I started doing colleges a lot. So I was kind of off the mainstream set as far as industry is concerned, as far as you know, television or or even the club circuit because I didn't do clubs because they didn't pay in comparison to colleges. So mm-hmm. I preferred to do a college. So now. I've had those students. I did the college market from like 96 to about 2004 and they continuously show up grown as hell, you know, big old bearded dude, man, you came to my school, you know, back when I was a freshman, I'll never forget you roasted my boy. Ha ha ha. You know, and they grown they're a CEO or something now. So that's helped my relevant, uh, relevancy and longevity as well. Hey, it's me, Shreen. Sorry to interrupt. Creative breakthrough listeners. Are you enjoying this episode? If so, I have a quick favor. Could you leave us a review, whether on Apple, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're listening from? It's a great way to pay it forward and let other creatives know about the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, I'll get back to the original interview now. Thanks. Bye. That's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. Do you, um, you, you did all this in Chicago. Did you ever feel the need that you needed to move to New York or LA? You know, let me tell you about that. Uh, I- on on one on some levels, if I were not if I were pursuing that part of the industry, if I was pursuing film and television, I should have moved at that time because I had a little heat from the BET and Comic View was was booming, and they brought me out to host a couple of different things. I hosted Showtime at the Apollo for a couple of episodes, so the TV thing would have been good for New York or LA. But as far as the sacrifice of leaving my family, I had a son, I was married, you know. So and, and the other thing is, Chicago is a really is a a melting pot or even an incubator for some of the top names in comedy that come through Second City and things of that nature. They're going to do sketch comedy and Saturday Night Live. But what I did look at Chicago as, as opposed to escaping my hometown to go to L.A. or go to New York, I knew that Chicago was a major market that artists wanted to come and perform in. So I used that as my leverage to get better deals from comedians that wanted to come to Chicago because I was the gateway to get on stage. So I was getting, you know, top name people coming through my little rooms because I was the only game in town and they wanted to play Chicago. So I was able to maintain my lifestyle. Um, I was able to maintain uh, an income. Then I got radio in Chicago. So Chicago is a market that took care of me and still to this day supports me very generously. I had a Riddles Comedy Club here until this quarantine jumped in uh, and people were coming out supporting that for the last two years. And, you know, I'm there, you know, sporadically because I'm on the road. But when I put myself on the flyer, say, no, I'm home, it, it, it matters. And my, my town still supports me. So I'm glad I didn't leave. That's awesome. You mentioned riddles. So you're the you're 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 an owner of that comedy club. How has the quarantine impacted it? And like for small business, small business owners listening, like what advice do you have for them? 
anybody doing anything that requires live public participation is scrambling now. We're uh, it's devastating to the industry. I mean, at restaurants, bars, uh, nightclubs, um, go kart tracks, anything that requires people to show up is being impacted. So hopefully, everybody kind of adheres to whatever the strange news is going out from the white house about staying in and not staying in. And, you know, he just, he's, he got rid of the CDC dude, the experts not in the press conference no more, but, but let's, let's be sensible about it. But also keep in mind that the people in these industries are hurting and that doesn't go just for me as the whole store. So, you know, co proprietor of the establishment, that's the waitresses, the bartenders, the, the, the restaurants next door, um, the people who worked, uh, the graphic artists who do all the advertising and the flyers, it trickles down on a, a large scale. So if there's somebody that you see posting something and asking for a cash app donation or something of that nature and you're able, I say do it because right now this is the first time in 25 years I don't have a way to make an income that I can think of beyond this quarantine. Like if this, if they say, okay, no more live audiences for the year 2020, then I'm out of work for the end of 2020 unless I figure out a virtual way to to generate income. So it's it's very scary times for everybody. And um, some people had less um, stored up for moments like this. And you always hear, you know, have six weeks income or six months income or whatever. But nobody in reality has that type of money just laying around hoping that Armageddon happens so they can use it. You know, um, so it's tricky. It's, it's, it's sad. So we're going to have to innovate and find a way to somehow create income or we all gonna have to be driving uber but you can't even drive uber if ain't nobody moving around you know so i i I literally um have one option uh, presented to me besides you know entertainment and virtual comedy uh one of my buddies uh works at the bus company, like, man, we still driving and I've got seniority over here. I can get you on if you're ready for people to see you driving a bus. I said, man, talk to me in May. If, 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 if at the end of May, I'm not back on stage, I might be in that seat with a mask and telling jokes on the bus. Then I'll have an audience long stay six feet back. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. It would be. Well, how- how are you staying positive? You seem you seem super positive right now. You seem in good spirits. Like, how do you stay positive every day? You've been on lockdown, what, two weeks, you said? Well, personally, I, I've been in the house since uh, about a week. But uh, my last show was March 14th, I believe it was, in Minnesota. And I felt, the, I felt the finality of it. I knew when I was performing, I was in Vegas on the, the 13th and, and uh, Minnesota on the 14th. And I, I, I really went into those shows feeling like I should really embrace and embellish and, and cherish these these moments of being in front of a live audience because I thought it was going to be locked down for a couple of weeks. I didn't think, you know, they would say 10 weeks possible or, you know, August or no mess like that. So I've kept upbeat. At first, I was really like concerned and sad. I just started doing the math. And, you know, I have other uh, family members that depend on me. I, I, I've been my, my mother's been on allowance with me every week for the last three or four years, you know, and so I want to continue to be able to do stuff like that. So it's very concerning. But we've been through a lot um, as human beings. We we come through these situations. We adapt and we adjust. There's a bright side in the tunnel. I mean, I'm fortunate that I have a home. I don't have a mortgage. Um, 
because I, I live belief my means. That's why my little house is what it is. When people see my house online, ain't no mansion, there's no big columns and high ceilings and things of that nature. It's a modest home, but it's paid for. Uh, so I'm not gonna get put out until property taxes, and you could avoid them for three years. Uh, hey, and I have I my, know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because I was at the verge of it. I just paid, but somebody had bought my taxes, and they could have took my house in January, but I paid it off thanks to this TV project I just completed, which is called Laugh Tonight with Dane Will. So I have that. I'm, I'm healthy um, because you know, there my brother's been affected by this situation. He uh, we believe he's contracted the virus. He's in the hospital right now and being tested. Um, I have my wife. You know, we have our home. So you start to appreciate the simple things. And if it's a short-term situation, I'm happy to just be still. You know, people have to understand you have the opportunity right now to be still. If you have cable or YouTube, you can go on and watch unlimited programming. Um, get you some food and, and, and get your life, get your mind back. Cause I was on the road every weekend. I'm glad not to be in the airport. I'm glad not to be in a hotel. I'm glad not to have an early flight. Um, and I'm not complaining about those things when they were there and when they come back, cause I'm a workaholic. So I went after everything and I accepted a lot of offers, but I'm just going to take this time and, and, and just reset. And I think the world, the climate, the glaciers, everything is going to benefit from us all just being still and stop contributing to our carbon footprints. And, you know, so you got to have a, a inner zen about this because if you don't, you drive yourself crazy. If you keep watching the news and keep watching these doomsday movies and the purge and all of that mess, I do have an extra few bullets just in case anybody watching, um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, 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 it affect your psyche. So I'm an upbeat person. I'm an introvert already. So I'm kind of glad to just be at the crib. Now, you don't have to stay in the house. That's another thing. Now, in Chicago, most of us are because we had snow the other day. So it made it easier for people to be in the house. But if you're in Florida somewhere and it's a beautiful sunny day, you're like, I can't go out there. You know, that would be more challenging. And so since we have such a short summer, um, when it starts to get warm, it's going to be tricky to keep people in the house. But you could go out in the park, you know, just keep your distance from people. Do a picnic with three hot dogs. It don't matter. You know, so you got to find a way to adapt and adjust to the circumstance you presented with because there's nothing we can do about it right now. Yeah. So and how, it's serious. How, how are you spending your days? Like, are you working on any creative projects? Are you writing? Like, how do you, what advice do you have for creatives at this point? You know, we all have our, our different processes and that's not really how I work. So I haven't even I'm, I'm taking a break. So people have been you know, encouraging me and requesting, man, when you going to do your face? Because, you know, all the DJs are doing their live. So now they want me to do a comedy live. I'm not about to get on, on the Internet and bomb in front of people in the empty living room. I'm going to wait till I got something to say. You know, and maybe I'll, I'll maybe I'll resume my, my booking manager, Jada Davis. Uh, she um, suggested that I start to resume my seriously the news reports and my, my other features I used to do for radio and just do them live. So I might start doing that. Um, I, I really um, should be taking this time to complete a, a book or two. I mean, I have outlines for an autobiographical book and also for a how-to handbook for comedy. Uh, and I was thinking about doing those things and I've been, I hadn't had time to really delve into it, but this is only the first week. So I'm on vacation right now, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it ain't nothing funny shit. I'm, I'm looking at my account dwindle. I'm looking at the, the stocks dipping, you know, uh, ain't shit funny. Y'all want me to come over here to ha 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 tears of a clown is what you will see if I do a live show. So, 
I'm trying to, you know, uh, just chill right now. I'm going to take a mental break. Um, I have been sitting around a lot. So today I did the push up challenge and I uh, challenged people to do it. Um, you know, I did, you know, I've been, we got enough stuff around here to, to keep ourselves active. And then once the weather breaks out there, um, you know, I'll go outside more, you know, just be in nature, but not around Negroes or no type of people. <laughs> um, so that's that's the plan for now. But, you know, as this thing gets a little deeper into it and it creeps uh, further into, you know, affecting our life on a daily basis, you know, I got to figure out a way to do it. So I am going to do creative things. I am going to come back online and, and, you know, start cracking jokes. But to me right now, it's just funny. You know, I, I can make it funny. And I don't want to force it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that because I've been having that same anxiety. Like everybody's like, you need to be writing and creating and it's this is your moment to shine. And I'm like, I'm so anxious right now. I've got so much anxiety just about what's right. happening in the world and just not even about like death or but just seeing people, seeing how people aren't taking it seriously, seeing how we're fighting over stupid things like I we're just it's people just aren't learning and it's just making me so anxious. Yeah. And I would hope that this would, you know, I had a talk with my older brother yesterday um, and he's, he's Muslim. He's very deeply philosophical about every aspect of life. He has a reason for it. And he's very, you know, uh, anti the world because there's so much negativity out there. So, um, and he was saying, well, maybe now people, you know, listen to God's voice and, you know, pull back and be a little better at the end of this. And when it's over, we'll be better off you know, overall. And maybe God's way of telling us, you know, we need to sit down, which is something I also said as well. But I feel like, you know, yeah, the first week or two, people going to be kumbaya when they first come back out. And then it's going to be right back at the hot girl summer and, the, you know, the trapping and the twerking. And, the, you know, it's so much negativity that is being produced that hopefully people, at least a percentage of us, will now realize what we have is vital and our lifestyles are a privilege. And, you know, we should be more compassionate and not be so materialistic and not so selfish. Um, hopefully it's bringing family members together by necessity. Some people are pooling their resources and having mm -hmm. family pools, you know, as opposed to eating separate, you know, we cook a meal and you sit around the table and, and talk to each other again and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm always an optimist, but who knows what this is doing for us. Yeah, no, I, I look at it that way too. And that's what I, that's what makes me anxious is that some people just aren't getting it. Some people are just we're still fighting over toilet paper. And it's like, there's such a bigger thing to be fighting about. <laughs> it's, it's a scary situation. So to try to crack jokes, I mean, of course, this would be the time for us to be a light in this darkness mm -hmm. and provide the humor. But we in the dark, too, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my creative process doesn't work like I sit down and pick eight topics and write jokes. I've, <laughs> I've, I haven't done that in years. You know, it's about how I live during the day. And if something strikes me in the moment as I'm in, you know, the progress of what I do on a daily basis, I might jot it down or text it to myself. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Or it might be a conversation I've had. A lot of my material comes from my observations and conversations. And if people laugh at it then, I know I can use it, you know. So if, if that process is not there, now I have to for it, I, I don't want to force myself to write, you know, today I need to do three new bits. Uh, you know, comedy shouldn't be something that you're doing out of necessity um, mm -hmm. or an, in a forced situation. It should be more organic, at least in my process. Uh, I know there are people that are specifically writers. That's what they do, you know, but I'm a 
think about it, go on stage and try it. I, I Jay-Z it. You know, I like to say I like to Jay-Z it. So because then it's fun for me because it's something I thought of and I tried and it works. And then people laugh and you get that that, that reaction from it to sit here and, and try to say, hey, then y'all don't know the coronavirus started in China. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not ready to do that, you know. And nobody laughing. You know, I'm gonna have to have my own laugh track. Maybe I maybe I get myself a laugh track, <laughs> a little sound effect joint. I could do that. Yeah, well, you could you could do just tell jokes for eight hours, like DJ D Nice, and just you know, yeah. see what happens. See if <laughs> I should. Yeah, I'm gonna do a marathon. Try to remember every joke I ever told. You could all my bit from from 27 years. Well, there must be a way to get all your shows, all your TV shows, and put them together, and maybe stream that on the internet. I am going to do something like that. I'm definitely uh, working on that. Plus, I have uh, two very current or recent sets, including my last observations on the corona situation. I'm just trying to figure out what makes sense and how much to use under these circumstances, because at some point I might have to rely on that material as an income generator. And I want to just throw it out there and give it right. away. And then, you know, I need it. You know, so mm -hmm. that's the other thing. These bits don't just come out of you know, thin air. They, they have been tried. They've been worked. They've been honed and polished. And you don't want to just donate nope, that to the yep. world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the other part. Then you go on the road and everybody says, I saw that during the damn virus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the flip that's side to be flip side to be, hey, do the joke you did during your virus show. Because, you know, people, you never can please everybody. They either don't want to see shit you did before or they want to see the shit so they can show their friends. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's weird. Yeah. But, <coughs> excuse me. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> that it got me. Right, it got me. I got lights on my computer. <laughs> yeah, please. You're going to put a virus online. <laughs> I, I'm just looking forward to life getting back to normal. But if this is our new normal, of course, I'm going to figure out a way to adapt because I got people that depend on me. Yeah. Well, you've had a very successful career. I mean, you've done comedy on TV, you've been in films, you've acted, you've been on radio. What do you feel like has helped you be so successful? Like what characteristic traits do you think you have that, I mean, there's other comedians who've been at it as long as you have and have not had the same success. And there are some that have been at it way less than me and have much more success. So it's a tricky dynamic. You know, I'm people I've introduced to the game. Uh, I have a work ethic, you know, and I've been fortunate. I'm in a, in a good position. I've always had great relationships. Most of my opportunities come from relationships or re recurring relationships. You know, if you come and you do a good job, people invite you back. So that's one thing. And it's little things like being on time, like being professional, uh, being courteous to the people that work at the place that you're doing your you don't have to. It could be, you know, stand up, being nice to the wait staff. It could be on a set, being nice to the uh, PAs. You know, that that conversation trickles up, and I don't do it intentionally for that reason. But I think it's helped me because that's my my, my basic way of operating. I, I'm a caring person when it comes to people and interacting with people, uh, but I'm also tenacious when it comes to um, pursuing opportunities. You know, before Subway and before entrepreneurship, I was. A street entrepreneur. So I've always had a little hustle spirit in me due to necessity at one point. Um, and so I, I never want to not be doing nothing. You know, I'm always trying to do something. Now, I don't follow a lot of trends. I wish maybe earlier into this social media phenomenon explosion uh, that I try to, you know, have a a balance between live stand up and virtual, you know, social media comedy. Um, and I, I didn't, sh um, 
a lot of old heads had a problem with the social media comedians. Talking about, oh, they do six second video and, and you're selling out clubs. I don't blame them for that. I don't disparage them for that because I think they used the vehicle that was in place in their era. Just like we used to, you know, claw to get your way to Comic View or Def Jam or, you know, TV cable shows. That was our era. And if you made it to that, then you, you reap the benefits. So they're reaping the benefits of their era. So you don't want to say, oh, to hell with them. If you can't beat them, you might want to try to join them. But I don't want to imitate them. So I don't want to be the guy who saw a guy doing a split screen. And now I'm talking about this split screen topic because that's what's selling. You know, uh, I could easily do that. And I may at some point end up doing that because it might be forced necessity. This is the era. But it's not I, I genuinely enjoy stand up. And so that's provided the other opportunities that you mentioned, the radio and some of the little independent films and things that I've been doing lately. Um, and that's another thing. I, I'm not a great auditioner. So I've had a couple of opportunities that I squandered because I lose it in the audition room. You know, I, I have my whole part down. I can do it off the top of my head, riding in the car and get in that room. And they say, go. And I'm like, go. And then shit just goes blank, you know, and I had to happen to me recently, but I've recovered from it this time because I've developed the process. Um, but, you know, I just think it's a work ethic. Anything you do, especially if you like what you do and you do it long enough consistently and get better at it as you do then you should get opportunities from. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. What's the long-term goal? I just want to be able to sell out shows and do a few movies. You know, I want to be able to have people show up in a room. I want the life to get back to normal where my shows go from a 300 seat comedy club to a 3000 seat theater to possibly an arena. You know, that's, that's, that's what I want. Everything else I do beyond that will be leading me to that. So Chris Rock says he does movies so more people come to his shows. Now, I do enjoy the process. I, I started doing these independent films. I enjoy the acting process. I enjoy seeing the outcome. But it's you, it's not something that you have complete creative control over. You know, someone gives you a script. Even if you wrote the script yourself, you still got to interact with other actors. And so you have to be at the mercy of the edit and how it turns out. And if the people didn't shoot it right and all of this stuff is involved. But grabbing that mic and, and bringing joy to a room full of people is my ultimate goal forever. I want to be a stand-up. I want to retire in Vegas, you know, be one of those dudes who can go down to the strip and you see me like George Wallace and I go upstairs to my room and I do five nights a week in Vegas for, for 45 minutes and go lay down somewhere. <laughs> I can see you doing that. <laughs> yeah, a straight residency. That's, that's the ultimate semi-retirement. So what advice do you have for creatives, not just comedians, but any creative on their on their journey right now? You know, I got a lot of creative creatives around me. My, my children, uh, my son and his sister, who is my stepdaughter, but I raised her. She's a playwright and a, a poet. And my son's a poet and a social activist And there. I've seen uh, they find ways to channel that energy, you know, and ways to enlighten the world. So if you're creative, you know, share your gift. Uh, don't don't exploit your gift. Uh, be, you know, kind of strategic so that you can eat from it because people will take advantage of your creativity. And, and I think what creatives do and what we bring to society should be rewarded. I mean, it's, it's if there were no creatives, just think if there was no music, no, no actors, no comedians, no athletes, you know, the world would be blah. So, you know. Use this time, like people are telling us, you should be taking this time to build your portfolio and, and write and 
and get ready and for the, the, the rebirth of life. Yeah, do what you do. Get in your zone. Relax. Take care of your bodies. Um, you know, let the creativity be organic. That's my suggestion. Awesome. So let's quickly jump into the lightning round. The lightning round, I'm going to ask you five questions, rapid fire, and you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Okay. What's the best piece of advice you've received? One of the best pieces of advice I received was from my father. He said, um, you know, don't go out of your way to hurt another person, but you got to put yourself first because if you're not happy, you can't make others happy. Uh, can't pour from an empty cup. So, you know, he noticed I'm a giving person. So that was really good advice. Uh, Bernie Mac gave me some good advice. He said, uh, <laughs> don't rush out to L.A. because you'll be a small fish in a big pond and pay your taxes. And I listened to him <laughs> on one of those. And I'm well, still in Chicago, so you know which one I didn't listen to. Yeah, well, at least you haven't made the news like some people. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was close. Okay. What's your definition of success? Uh, success is being happy with yourself. And if you can impress yourself, if you can look in the mirror on a daily basis and be happy with the person you see, then that's success already. Everything else that comes with uh, happiness is secondary to me. Who inspires you and why? Hmm. And currently I'm, I'm I'm inspired by my kids. You know, my son, like I said, he's trying to change the world. He's trying to be a social activist and change the st structure and the constructs of our interaction as human beings, how we treat people, the abolishment of prisons and police state. Uh, so he has very lofty goals for society as a whole and especially for our people and even more specifically for our city so he inspires me in, in, in many ways what's a habit that's helped you on your journey a habit that's helped me along my journey is um i have the habit of optimism you know i feel like there's a bright side to everything and i think practicing optimism has really helped me make it through some times when you know you want to give up or you feel like you know you shouldn't be further along in your career or your opportunities or your finances or anything but you just have an inner faith and optimism if you practice optimism i think you'll you you go a long way and what do you want your legacy to be my legacy in and comedy uh, will be the guy who kept the Chicago comedy circuit alive and who provided opportunities for many, many comedians over the years, um, not just Chicago comics, but comics from around the country. I've always had rooms. I've always had work. I've always had ways to, uh, you know, give comics a platform, new comics uh, who had never done it before, all the way up to season comics. From that standpoint, uh, from a professional standpoint, I want that to be my legacy. From a human standpoint, I just want to be known as a person who cared and, and tried to be right and be fun. And he was a funny dude and, and you know, he left the world a better place. That's awesome. Hey, Damon, if people wanted to find you online, where could they find you? Right here on your show. If you don't find me here, then don't look for me. All right. If you ain't looking at this show, don't worry about where I'm at. Uh, everything is now, I have a new site, DamonWilliamsComedy.com. It has all my social contacts. And then uh, there's a show that I produced and hosted that's going to be on a new streaming network. It's called Laugh Tonight with Damon Williams. The new streaming network is 
slated to launch later this year. Of course, it might be postponed a little bit now. They were talking May before the quarantine, but they're still going forward with some of the marketing and strategies. Um, and it's a stand-up platform. I had 24 multicultural comedians, and we do a sit-down interview, and they do a set. So season one, half of season one is done. Uh, we will be doing more seasons of that if the world continues. And that's where you can find me. That's awesome. And if they wanted to cash app you, what's your cash app? Oh, well, my cash app is Damon <laughs> is funny. It's dollar sign, Damon is funny. If you want to cash app me three, four dollars, you I'll be all right till about April 30th. Okay. <laughs> After that, if everybody's still alive and we're not quarantined in the bunkers, then you can cash app your boy if you don't hear the riddles is back open because I have no income. I'm gonna be driving a bus. <laughs> If you want to keep me from driving a bus, you can cash at me now. I'm How sharing cool. the money. How cool would it be if somebody's listening to this podcast while they're on the bus and you're driving it? I don't know. I just had that. That would be so cool. Like, could, if, if they knew it if, was you, though. <laughs> if in May you're on a bus, you might be watching this, watching me drive it. Not that that would be cool. Just funny. I yeah, hope that this not It happen. would be funny. <laughs> Ain't any of it does. I'm an optimist. You know, I have to, I'll be the best bus driver. I might pass out mints <laughs> and tell jokes. And, you know, it, it, my bus going to be cracking. <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Damon. We really appreciate it. Okay. I appreciate doing it. You might want to say that again because it went <laughs> right when you said it. Did it really? But thank right. you for having me. I would thank love to do this. Thank you so much for joining anytime. us today. <laughs> thank you for having me. you all enjoyed that conversation with Damon Williams. I love Damon. He's hilarious. He is one of my idols in the comedy circuit. Um, and I, I really admire what he's done with his career and how far he has taken his career. So hopefully you guys were all able to just relax, laugh a lot during this conversation and just realize like, this is, it's okay not to be creative during this time. It's okay to let the creativity come to you organically and just use this time to reset and be with your families and stay healthy. So with that, the key takeaways from today's conversation are one, Always negotiate first. Two, create your own opportunities to build exposure. Three, appreciate the simple things during this time, a.k.a. COVID-19, a.k.a. coronavirus, a.k.a. Uh, April 2020, in case you're not listening to this episode in 2020 and you're like, what? Four, use this time to reset. Five, find ways to adapt. And six, do what you love and opportunities will find you. Hey, if you guys are looking for creative opportunities during this time or free classes or resources or just want to partner up with people to read chapters of your book or to push you along in screenwriting, check out my Facebook page or my Facebook group. Um, the easiest way to find it is funnybrowngirl.com forward slash Facebook. Again, that's funnybrowngirl.com forward slash Facebook. If you don't want to do it that way, you can go to Facebook and type in creative breakthrough community and it should pop up. It's also facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash creative breakthrough community. So hit us up there. And um, there's a there's a huge conversation going on about just people who have free classes to do online and free um, language classes and screenwriting opportunities and all kinds of fun stuff. So I will see you in the Facebook group. Until then, please be safe. Take care of your loved ones and just take care of yourselves. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening. Stay connected about upcoming resources, including opportunities, festivals, competitions, and grants to help you grow your creative passion by subscribing to my bi-monthly newsletter by visiting funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. Don't miss out on a life-changing opportunity and subscribe today at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And hey, if you decide to go on Instagram today, follow me. I'm Funny Brown Girl. I'm Shereen Kassam, and you've been listening to Creative Breakthrough. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning.